Welcome to the Caleb Schaefer Podcast. We're so glad to have you join us today. Pastor Caleb is a graduate of the World Harvest Bible College, as well as Ohio Christian University. And his desire is to share the love of God with a lost and dying world. Prepare to be challenged and encouraged today through the study of God's Word. Now let's listen in to today's episode with our host, Caleb Schaefer. The first night I was here that I started to teach on the, um, the book, I touched on some of the things that I'm going to talk about tonight, but I want to go more in depth um, tonight because there are things in our lives that the enemy will use to try to hang us up and trip us up um, that are from our past, that are uh, things that we've dealt with. Um, since we've been young, there are things that we've uh, had to deal with for a long time, whether that's something that someone said to you, something that someone did to you, something that you got involved in yourself, some sort of sin or some sort of setback in your life that the enemy uses to try to hold you back from doing what it is that God has called you to do. And every time we try to step out in faith and act on what God is telling us to do, the enemy will undoubtedly bring up something to try to try to stop us and try to hold us back. And um, what he does is he uses those things, whatever they may be, to ensnare us, to keep us from uh, going forward in the kingdom and going forward in faith and what God has for you to do. And, and it could be something uh, minuscule, something very small that, that the devil will try to hold you back. But I'm here to t- tonight to tell you that God is greater than anything the enemy wants to use to try to hold you back. And he's greater than any shame. He's greater than any regret. He's greater than any guilt. He's greater than anything in your past and in your present. He's greater. He's greater. And so um, if I had to if I had to give this teaching a title tonight, I don't normally give my teachings a title, but if I had to give this teaching a title, I would call it a pre-existing condition. A pre-existing condition. We all have uh, heard all the healthcare stuff, and we've all heard all the the medical things, and you know you have a hard time getting coverage if you have a pre-existing condition. Uh, they look at you and say, "Well, we can. We would like to give you insurance. We would like to help cover you, but you've got this condition that we don't want to help pay for something that you already know you have. If it comes up later on down the road, we'll help cover it. But if you have a pre-existing condition, we don't want to have to cover that. And we all have a pre-existing condition of some sort. Yes. It's called sin. Yes. It's a past. We've all had a pre-existing condition. And you know, we live in this great dichotomy because the Bible lets us know that uh, in Jeremiah 1, chapter 1, verse 5, it says that God knew us before he formed us in our mother's wombs. He had a relationship with us before we were ever formed in the womb. But then when we go to Psalm chapter 51 and verse 5, it says that we were shapen in iniquity and we were born into sin. And so God had this relationship with us before we were ever born. But then we were conceived and we were born into this world of sin. 
And we all have this pre-existing condition now. We all have this past that tries to come up in our lives and in our minds very often. Very often. The devil try to remind you of who you used to be. The Bible tells us that the devil is the accuser of the brethren in Revelation chapter 12 and verse 10. He says he's the accuser of the brethren. If you're accusing someone of something, you're bringing up some sort of wrong that they did. You're bringing up some sort of thing that they, that some sort of crime or wrongdoing. And Satan likes to accuse you of high treason against God all the time. He, he likes to accuse you of going against the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords all the time. And when really it's Satan who was the one who drug you into that mess and Satan Satan was the one who tempted you to sin so that he could turn around and accuse you of it. That's right. And you know, what's crazy is that Satan has no power over you. If you were blood-bought and born again and you're under the blood, he can go to God and say anything he wants to and God says they're covered by the blood. They're in covenant with me. They're under that new covenant with me. They're under the blood of Jesus. So when Satan goes to God and makes an accusation, it holds no ground. Case dismissed. The jury acquits you of everything. But what happens is that Satan comes to you and says, you know what you used to do. You know the thoughts that you think. You know the temptations that you have. And you can never, ever measure up. You could never, ever be used greatly by God. You could never, ever step out and do what God wants you to do because you're a mess. And that's what Satan does. Because when he goes to God and tries to accuse you of things, God says they're free. But when he comes to us and starts to remind us of our own shortcomings and failures, he trips us up. So we've got to know the word. And we've got to be able to come against his accusations against us with the word. We've got to begin to speak the word over our lives. We've got to begin to refute every lie that the enemy is telling you because if God says you're covered by the blood and there's no charges that can be brought against you, we got to come into agreement with God. But most often what we do is we come into agreement with the devil and we begin to think the thoughts that he's telling us to think. So we've got to hang up a no vacancy sign over our lives and not give any room to the devil. We've got to hang up a sign that says, devil, there's no place for you here. And we've got to use the word of God to come against the enemy. You know, there's a story in John chapter 9. And I want us to turn there. John chapter 9. We're going to start at verse 1 and go down through verse 25. The story tells about a man who was born blind. He had a pre-existing condition. It says as Jesus passed by, he saw the man 
blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, neither, his man, neither this man nor his parents sinned, but it happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. I must do the works of him who has sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. While I'm in the world, I am the light of the world. When he had said this, he spat on the ground and made clay with, his saliva, with the saliva. He anointed the eyes of the blind man with the clay. And he said to him, go wash in the pool of Siloam, which, which means sent. So he went away and washed and returned seeing. The neighbors and those who had previously seen that he was blind said, Is this not he who sat and begged? Some said, This is he. Others said, He's like him. But he said, I am he. So they said to him, How were your eyes opened? And he answered, A man called Jesus made clay, anointed my eyes and said to me, Go to the pool of Siloam and wash. So I went away and washed and I received my sight. They said to him, where is he? And he said, I don't know. They brought the man who had been blind to the Pharisees. Now it was a Sabbath day when Jesus made the clay and opened his eyes. Therefore the Pharisees also asked him how he had received his sight. He said to them, he put clay in my eyes and I washed and I seed. Some of the Pharisees said this man is not from God because he does not keep the Sabbath day. Others said, how can a man who is a sinner do such signs? So there was division among them. Then they said to the blind man, what do you say about him since he opened your eyes? The man said, he's a prophet. But the Jews did not believe concerning him that he had been blind and received his sight until they called the parents of the one who had received his sight. They asked them, is this your son whom you say was born blind? How then does he now see? His parents answered them, we know that this is our son and that he was born blind. But now he, but how now he sees, we do not know. Or who opened his eyes, we do not know. He is of age. Ask him, he will speak for himself. His parents said this because they had, learned, they had feared the Jews. For the Jews had already agreed that anyone confessed that he was the Christ, he would be put out of the synagogue. Therefore his parents said, he's of age. Ask him. So again they called the man who was, given, who was blind and said to him, Give glory to God. We know that this man is a sinner. He said, I don't know if he's a sinner. I know one thing. I was blind and now I see. What's crazy to me about this story is that we never hear this man's name. We never hear this man's name. We don't know if he was a John or a Mark or a Peter. Or, we don't know who he was. All we know is that he was a blind man. And he sat and he begged. He was labeled by his condition. He was labeled by his condition. And one encounter with Jesus changed his identity. One encounter with Jesus changed his identity. And that's what we need to understand. That because we have had an encounter with Jesus, our identity has changed. And there are so many people in the world today who are in an identity crisis. They don't know who they are. 
They don't know what they believe. They're so confused about everything. They're confused about every level of their being. They're confused as to whether they're men or women. They're confused as to what they want to do with their life. They're confused as to what they should be. They're confused. They're so confused that they're taking their lives in the droves. They're in an identity crisis. And this man had an identity crisis because he was only known to people as the blind man. They didn't say his name when he got healed. All they said was, isn't this the guy that was blind? Isn't this the blind man who sat sat outside and begged? Isn't this the one who could not see from birth? You know, the devil likes to use labels. He likes to use labels on people. He likes to label you based on your sin. Likes to label you based on your past. Likes to label you based on all sorts of things. And he likes to make that your identity. As if nothing else existed. Oh, he was a blind man, yeah. But he was somebody's son. He, he I'm sure, had people that were regular uh, acquaintances that he would have probably considered friends of some sort. I'm sure that he had all sorts of relationships. He, he was a grandson to someone. He was, he was a nephew to someone, a brother to someone. But all anybody knew him as was the blind man. He had feelings. I'm sure he had aspirations. He probably wanted to do something. But to everybody, he was just the blind man. He's just the blind man. And day after day, they would walk past him, see him there begging. He's just the blind man. That's the blind man. He sits there every single day. Never taking into account that there was more to this guy than just his disability, more to this guy than just his handicap. And people will try to do this to us as well. Try to label you based on things you've dealt with in your past before you knew Jesus. They'll try to label you based on things you're dealing with now. And the enemy will use those things to try to trap you and ensnare you from moving forward into what God has for your life. The devil will use regret. He'll use people. You know, the very beginning of this portion of Scripture, the people who were with Jesus, his very disciples were looking for someone to blame. There's always a blame game when the devil's involved in something. There's always a blame game. It's, it's always there. we're looking for somebody to, to point the finger at. Looking for somebody. Somebody had to be the cause of this. Somebody had to have sinned. This man, he was he's blind from birth, but they even asked if he had sinned. Then that was some sort of reason that he was blind. So everybody was trying to blame somebody. And Jesus said, no, no, it's none of that. This man 
is going to show off the glory of God. This man is going to show off the glory of God. And can I tell you tonight that that past that you have, that pain that you've gone through, that loss that you've experienced, it's going to show off the glory of God. And that's what the devil's scared of in your life. That's what the devil is truly scared of. That's why the devil wants to keep you in this mindset that this is holding you back. That's why the devil wants you to not step forward in what God is calling you to do. That's why the devil keeps bringing that thought up in your mind. That's why the devil keeps throwing your past up in your face. Because he knows that if the truth gets out, if the truth ever gets out, that you have been set free and you've been delivered and you've been changed and God brought you through the sickness and God brought you through the loss and you thought you wouldn't ever make it out of it but God kept you steady when you thought you were going to lose your mind God rocked you steady and He held you at night when nobody else was there and you were all alone and God kept you and He made sure that you didn't die when you were out on the streets and when you were addicted to drugs God made sure that you got somewhere and some but he took care of you and you had a roof over your head and a bed to sleep in and God didn't let you die in your situation. The devil knows that if the truth ever gets out, he's doomed because God is going to get glory from your life and somebody's going to say, I want that Jesus that sets you free. I want that Jesus that took care of you. I want that Jesus to hold me. I want that Jesus to bring me through. And that's why the devil keeps doing that with your mind. Keeps playing those things over in your mind. So what we see here is Jesus said, God's going to get glory from this. Can't you see it? Can't you see it? Jesus messed up every funeral he ever went to. Every single sick person he ever came into contact with that would receive healing, he gave it to them. And the people, the disciples were like, what's wrong with this guy? And Jesus said, can't you see what I'm about to do? I'm about to heal this guy and God's going to get glory. And tonight... Whatever your it is, whatever that thing is that you've been dealing with, whatever that pain is or that past is, whatever it is, God can get glory from it if you'll allow Him to move in it. If you'll surrender it. So Jesus gets down in the mud and He spits in the mud. I heard Mark Sharona say, what he was really doing was he was reenacting creation. He made man out of the dust of the ground, so he was just getting down in the dust and making this guy a new set of eyeballs. And he sent the man to the pool of Siloam. Siloam means sent. Can I tell you tonight, whenever God's about to do something in your life, most of the time, he won't just do it. He'll give you an instruction. And you've got to obey the instruction. Jesus. He'll give you some sort of a, a guiding and a leading that he wants you to follow through on. And whether you receive the miracle or the blessing will be contingent on whether you obey. Mm -hmm. 
The guy could have said, I'm not going to the pool of Siloam and washing. That's a crazy idea. And he would have just had mud in his eyes and that would have been it. Would have gone back to begging and being blind. But he went and he obeyed. And when you obey the word of the Lord for your life, when you obey the instruction that he gives you in the moment, whether that's go give that person a $10 bill, or whether that's I have a word for this person, go and speak it to them. Whatever that is that he's given you to do, when you obey that, that unlocks the blessing in your life and that unlocks God's ability to move and to do what he wants to do in your life. Your breakthrough is contingent on obedience. So verse 8 comes along and it says, The neighbors and those who had previously seen that he was blind said, Is this not the one who sat and begged? See, all his neighbors knew who he was. All the people around him knew who he was. And if there's anything I can tell you, the people that you grew up with, your family, your neighbors, the people who've known you since you've been little, sometimes they're some of the worst ones when you get a breakthrough for coming back and saying, nah. There's no way they're called to ministry. I know what they I know the parties that they used to go to. I know what they used to do. Sometimes your own family will be the ones to say, there's no way. There's no way God's done a work in their life. I knew I remember them when they were little. Sometimes the people you've known the longest are the ones who will work against you. And try to tell you that you're not everything God says you are. The neighbors, the people who had known him the longest, said, this is the blind guy that sat at the gate. This is the blind guy. He was just sitting there yesterday. This is the, we know this guy. They said, isn't this him? And everybody was like, yeah, that's him. And the others said, no, he just looks like him. And the blind guy said, no, I'm the blind guy. I'm the one. I was the one that was blind. They didn't call him by his name. Satan wants to label you by your handicaps. He wants to label you by your sin, by your past. He wants to label you by the things you can't do. He wants to label you with divorce. He wants to label you with addiction. He wants to label you with problems that follow you around. He wants to label you with all the things that you can't do. And you know, the devil wants you living in the past so you can't walk forward into the future. One of the biggest things that holds us back is regret and shame and guilt. And that's one of the reasons that Jesus came into the world. He said he didn't come to condemn the world, but that the world might have life through him. For there is therefore now no condemnation to them who are in Christ Jesus. But the devil likes to use those tools. They're tactics of the enemy and tools of the enemy to try to hold you back. And it'll keep you from doing what God has for you to do. He labels you. Labels you addicted. Labels you alcoholic. 
Labels you worthless. Labels you by whatever sin it is that you've dealt with. And he wants to attach that label to you. It's one of the reasons that I tell people whenever you're having symptoms of something, don't automatically say, I have. When you say you have it, you take possession of it. When the doctor says there's a diagnosis, don't say, I have it. One of the things that we do in this nation is that we label kids from a young age. And we begin to speak autism over kids and ADHD over kids from a young age. They want to medicate kids at a young age. And when you begin to speak those things over your life and over your children's lives and over your family's lives, you are accepting them. Refuse to accept the label. Refuse to accept the label. We are seeing signs of this, but that doesn't mean that we have it. The doctor might have said, but that doesn't mean it's mine. That doesn't mean that I'm going to put that label on my life and accept it as my own. Because when I accept anything other than I'm a blood-bought, born-again child of God, and I walk in divine health, and I walk in divine blessing, when I accept anything other than that, I come into agreement with the enemy. And I allow him an open door to work in my life. Do you know how many people I've talked to over the years that have said, well, this runs in my family. This runs in my heart disease, runs in my family, and diabetes runs in my family, and breast cancer runs in my family. My mother's side is full of it, and everybody just, this is what takes people out in my family. When you begin to speak that over your life, you know what? You are welcoming the enemy to come in and work in that area. But when you begin to say, I'm not that, I'm healed. I'm healed. I'm set free. I'm delivered. I'm whole. When you begin to speak those things, you are coming into agreement with the authority of heaven over your life. And when you come into agreement with the authority of heaven, it's like all of heaven backs up what you say because it's the word of God over your life. And when you begin to say healing is the children's bread. When you begin to say, Isaiah 53, 5, by the stripes of Jesus, I'm healed. When you begin to say that that I'm the head and not the tail, I'm above and not beneath. I'm seated with Christ in heavenly places. God has not given me the spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. I have the mind of Christ. When you begin to say, all things are working together for my good. When you begin to say, God has a plan for me and a purpose for me. He called me before I was ever born. When I was in my mind mother's womb. He formed me. When you begin to say, God has a plan to to prosper me and not to harm me. When you begin to say the word of God over your life, instead of coming into agreement with the enemy, that puts up a barrier that the enemy can't come across. We overcome him how? By the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. So don't accept a label. Don't accept a label that a doctor tries to put on you, that a teacher tried to put on you when you were little, that a parent tried to put on you. Don't accept a label that somebody who doesn't even know God or walk with God tries to put on you. 
Don't come into agreement with the enemy. And in verse 10, these people that were around this blind guy, they said, how were your eyes open? So they didn't even believe him. They didn't believe that he was the guy. They started to say, you know, there's, you could just be somebody who looks like him. You could be somebody who, who we think is him. And they, they didn't believe it was him. They said, how were your eyes opened? And he told them, he said, a man called Jesus made clay, anointed my eyes and said to me, go and wash in the pool of Siloam. And I went away and washed and I received my sight. So then they said, where's Jesus? And he said, I don't know where he went, but he's not here. And they brought this man who had been blind to the Pharisees. So they launched a full scale investigation into this miracle. They, they said, we want to know what's going on here because we know now that you were the blind guy and now you're not blind anymore, so something must have happened. And we don't believe that it was this Jesus who did it because we don't believe he's sent from God. We think he's a sinner man and we think that he's, he's causing all sorts of problems. And so the man uh, had, had not only was he given the gift of sight, but the enemy came in right away and tried to rob him of what God had given him. The enemy tried to negate and undo what God had done for him. And that's what the enemy will do to you. You didn't really have that experience with God. You weren't really filled with the Holy Spirit. You didn't. That was you. That was you were making up those tongues in your head. That was just you didn't really feel the presence of God in that church service. You didn't really get that miracle. And the enemy will try to negate what God did in your life almost immediately. He comes in almost immediately and tries to undo it. And it says it was a Sabbath day when Jesus made the clay and opened his eyes. Therefore the Pharisees also asked him how he received his sight. And he said to them, he put clay on my eyes and I washed and I see. And the Pharisees said, well, God could not possibly heal someone on the Sabbath day. God could not possibly move through a man on the Sabbath day. What in the world? Who does this man think that he is? They tried to discredit this man's miracle. Tried to discredit this man's miracle. And people will, the devil will use people to do that in your life. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the devil will use people to try to discredit the miracles that God gives you in your life. Our dad was healed of cancer, pancreatic cancer, uh, that had wrapped itself around all of his major digestive organs, liver, stomach, intestines. It was just basically wrapped around his internal organs. He went down to John Hopkins. We had it all on scans and, and x-rays. We had it all laid out. The doctors up here said it. The doctors at Hopkins said it. And everyone said, you know, this is a terrible situation. He went down to Hopkins to have surgery. They opened him up. The cancer was completely gone. But the first thing that people started to say was, well, you can't really tell on those scans all the time. You know, that could have just been some sort of fluke in the machines and th th maybe his blood work and his x-rays and uh, when the doctor opened him up and saw it and maybe that was all a, a mistake. And that's what the enemy tries to do is the enemy will try to tell you through people yep. that your miracle wasn't real. Yep. Mm. 
You didn't really get healed. You didn't really get delivered. Now, come on. We know that your whole family has dealt with this addiction for, for generations. There, there have been alcoholics after alcoholics. Now, you, thought you could not possibly have gotten delivered. We know you got a little bottle kept in the closet somewhere that you're just in there sneaking. And that's what people will do. They'll try to negate the miracle. And you have got to know that you know by faith that you have received it and stand firm on the word of God because when the enemy comes in, you you know that you've got the miracle. You know you've got the healing. You know you've got the deliverance. You know and you can't give ear to those things when the enemy tries to come in because he will try to stop your deliverance and your healing. He'll try to reverse it because if you can, if he can get you to start confessing the other direction, he can open the door and come right back in. So they tried to bring in witnesses. They brought, they brought this guy's parents in. They said, hey, wasn't he the blind guy? And his parents were like, well, yeah, we know. He was, he was blind since birth. He's been blind ever since we had him. And they said, well, what happened? And the parents said, we don't know. He's old enough. Ask him. He'll tell you. And, and the parents didn't even want to stand up to the Pharisees. They said, listen, we know he's, he was blind, now he can see, and we don't know what happened, but we don't want to cross you guys because you guys will put us out of the synagogue. So they even brought in witnesses to say, this man was blind, and now he sees. The enemy will try to get witnesses to come into your life. I used to party with you. I remember, you remember when we used to go to the bar? You remember when we used to go out and have fun? And the enemy will use those things to try to come against you. Not to remind the man that he was healed, but to remind him that he was blind. That's why they brought in the witnesses. They didn't want the the parents to say, oh yeah, he can see. They wanted the parents to say, no, he's the blind man. He's the blind man. So he finally got through all of it. And he said to them, I do not know if Jesus is a sinner. I know one thing. I was blind. And now I can see. I don't know all the answers, but I know this much. I've been changed. I've been changed. And we all have that testimony. And we need to stand on that testimony. Listen, I don't know how it all works. I don't know how he comes in and he washes sins away and and he takes all the guilt and the shame. I don't know how he takes the sin away and the penalty of the sin. I don't know how he does it all. But I know that the blood works. And I know that I've had an encounter with him. And I know that I was blind once, but now I see. I know I was wrapped up in chains of sin. I know I was wrapped up in bondage, but now I'm free. I know that my mind used to just be a mess. I know that I was depressed and I was suicidal, but I know one thing now. I'm free from all that, and I've got hope beyond anything I could ever imagine. I 
don't know how it all works, but I know this much. I have been changed. This man named Jesus, he changed me. And there's nothing anyone can do about it. There's nothing anyone can change about it. He radically set me free and he transformed my life from what it used to be. I was the blind man sitting at the gate begging, but now I'm free from it and I can walk around and hold my head high and not carry that shame and that guilt anymore and not carry the label anymore. I don't have to carry what the enemy said I was anymore. I can walk around and say, I'm a child of God and that's all that matters. A man with an experience is never at the mercy of a man with just an argument. I'll say that again. A man with an experience is never at the mercy of a man with just an argument. And all these people who come against Christians and say that God's a fairy tale and that, that it's all made up and this book that we leave is just storybook and, and that nothing really comes of a relationship with God. All those people that say that, all they have is an argument. We've got the experience. We've got the real thing. And we know that we've been changed. We know that we've been set free. We know that we've seen healings and miracles. We know that we've been healed ourselves. We know that He's brought us through. And we've got the experience to refute the argument. But what the enemy tries to do is the enemy tries to get you to doubt. He tries to get you to doubt. And you've got to stand on the Word. And you've got to know what God brought you through. You've got to know what God set you free from. One of the things I encourage people to do is write stuff down. Write it down. Because as the years go by, things will pass and things will take place. And sometimes you hit a rough spot in the road. I wish I could tell people that being a Christian was easy all the time. And I wish I could tell people that because I'm on a platform, I just walk around in the glory cloud all the time. I wish I could say that. But we, we who are up here know that the enemy shoots fiery darts at us a lot. And sometimes even more so than if we were just attending a church. We've got a big target on our back because we're believers. Yes. And the enemy will try to shoot you down and try to, try to drag things up from your past and try to make things... Uh, and make things seem so much bigger than they are. And you'll go through a patch in your life where you'll start questioning things. And you'll go through a rough spot in your life where you need, uh, you need some extra help from the Lord. And you need, you need a faith booster. And when you have things written down that you've gone through and ways that God has helped you, you don't have to just go off of something in your mind. But you have something on paper and you can say, I remember when this happened. I remember when I had this, this experience with God. I remember member and I know it's real. I can't tell you everything, but I can tell you one thing. I was blind and now I see. Yes. You know, this man must have felt just like these people can't even appreciate what God just did for me. They can't even appreciate it that I was blind and now I see them plain as day. And it was the same people 
who walked by him every single day. He probably recognized their footsteps from walking past him every single day as he was sitting there blind and begging. And he probably thought, you people have not cared about me to this point. You didn't care to take me in or care to help me out. Might have thrown a couple coins in the in the can here and there. But now they were accusing him of not receiving from God what it said what it was that he said he received. But he had an experience. And regardless of what anybody said or did, they could not take away his sight. That's right. They couldn't take it away. Jesus. And so you've got to know when you have an experience with Jesus. I know beyond the shadow of a doubt that I have had an experience with him. He has changed me. He has cleansed me. He has set me free. You can try to dig stuff up from my past if you want to. You can try to accuse me of things if you want to. You can say I'm lying, whatever you want to say. But I know he's real. I know he's real. And I know that I've had an experience with him. And I'm not who I was. And that's what you can tell the devil when he starts to throw regret and shame at you when he tries to bring those things up to you and try to say you're going to go back into that I'm going to cause that to come back into your life no 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 devil I know beyond a shadow of a doubt my God is real and he doesn't do anything halfway he didn't half heal me he didn't half set me free he didn't half deliver me or half save me he does it the whole way he does everything he does the whole way and he has set me free and I'm delivered and I'm saved and I'm free so let the devil rail and let the devil say whatever he wants to, but know that you have been set free and don't give any place to him. Don't come into agreement with what he's saying over your life. I know one thing. I was blind and now I see. I was blind and now I see. Those pre-existing conditions the enemy tries to throw in your face. All you got to do is you got to say, the blood of Jesus covered that. The blood of Jesus covered that. Everything the blood touches gets redeemed. Everything the blood touches gets redeemed. And whatever it is, the enemy tries to use to put shame and regret on your life and try to put fear on your life. That something's going to come back. That something's going to... Whatever it is. All you got to do is you got to say, I know Jesus is real. I know that I've had an experience with Him. And I know that I'm changed forever. And there's nothing you can do about it, devil. There's nothing you can do about it. You can try to have a family meeting with the Pharisees. You can try to say say whatever the label was that I was under. You can try to bring that back up. But I am a free person through Jesus Christ. Amen. And hold on to that. Hold on to that. Don't let the enemy bog you down with your past. Don't let the enemy bog you down with all those things he tries to 
tries to say to you, he just won't shut up. He just keeps it up. And if you just start telling him, I had an experience with Jesus. I was blind, but now I see. And you know what? Anything I did in my blindness is covered. Anything I did while I was blind, it's covered. Anything the enemy the enemy tries to bring up from my past, you know what I tell him? That was that was the old me. That was the old me. I'm under a new covering. I'm under the blood. And I need the blood today, and I need the blood tomorrow. So it doesn't matter if I messed up today. Guess what? The blood is covering me. The blood is covering me. Plead the blood down over your life. Remind the enemy. Instead of letting the enemy remind you. Remind the enemy. Listen. I had an experience with Jesus Christ. I belong to him. I don't belong to you anymore. You don't get to label me. I'm labeled by him. I am what he says I am. I am who he says I am. And I am a child of God. Amen. Amen. I want to give people an opportunity. I know that in here tonight we're probably all saved. But I want to give people an opportunity on Facebook to accept Jesus Christ. And then I want to just pray a corporate prayer over everybody in here and watching online. That everything the enemy has been trying to tell you and bring up about your past and bring up about your life, whatever it is, I'm just going to pray a prayer of freedom and deliverance and just believe God. So if you need to know Jesus tonight, I'm going to pray a prayer. Pray with me uh, if you're a believer as well. And we'll just encourage those who are, who are praying it maybe for the first time or recommitting their lives to Jesus. Say, Father God, I believe Jesus is your son. I believe he died on the cross and rose again. I ask you to wash me in the blood that he shed on the cross. Cleanse me and fill me with your Holy Spirit. Help me to live for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Father God, I pray right now over every single person in this room who's watching online, God, who's listening, that you would break through everything that the enemy's been trying to tell them about themselves. God, I rebuke every lie that the enemy has been speaking. I rebuke every bit of guilt and shame and regret that the enemy's been putting on them. I break off every label in the name of Jesus. I break off every label that the enemy has put on lives, even from a young age. In the name of Jesus, those labels are gone. The sicknesses that we've labeled ourselves with are gone in the name of Jesus. The blood covers it all and the blood destroys everything that the enemy's trying to do. God, I thank you for the anointing tonight that destroys every yoke of bondage. I thank you, God, tonight that the Holy Spirit is flowing into homes, that the Holy Spirit is going with us tonight as we leave this place. And God, that we are not who we were. God, we're not the blind man anymore. God, we're not the label anymore. 
We're not our sin anymore. We're not labeled. The devil doesn't get to tell us who we are. But God, you tell us who we are. God, tonight we're blood-bought. We're born again. We're Holy Ghost-filled. God, we are living for you. And God, we have the authority and the power and the anointing to walk into everything it is that you have for us to walk into. So God, tonight I thank you for freedom over every mind. I thank you for freedom in every household. I thank you, God, for breaking off chains that have been holding people back and God, for propelling people forward with the fire and the power of the Holy Ghost. Propelling people forward to do ministry. Propelling people forward to be free. And God, to speak the Word of God with truth and love. And God, see other people set free too. God, I thank you that we are free tonight. God, we might have been blind once, but now we see. And it's in Jesus' name that we rejoice and we say, Amen. Thank you for listening to today's episode of the Caleb Schaefer Podcast. If you would like to connect with Caleb, you can do so on Facebook at Caleb Schaefer Ministry, on Instagram at Caleb underscore Schaefer, or by visiting www.calebschaefer.com. If you have been encouraged, please share this podcast with your friends and loved ones. Once again, we appreciate you listening to today's episode and may God bless you as you continue to walk with Him.